0: Good morning. Oh, let's try one more time. Good morning. Good morning. morning. It's great to see you this morning. I'm a little hung up on my microphone here. Now I've got it. It's great to be with you today. If we don't know each other, my name is Brian. I'm the pastor here at Mount Hope in Belmont, and we're glad you're here. It's good to be together. How many of you appreciate what Justin does week in and week out? Doesn't he do a great job? I'm so thankful for Justin and everything that he does. Really appreciate that, Justin. And uh, we're going to... This is our last week. This is our last week in our digitally remastered series that we've been in for the last few weeks. We've been talking about our relationship with something that affects all the rest of our relationships. Normally in in November, we spend our time talking about our most important relationships here as a church. Marriage, kids, single life, all that kind of stuff. Dating. And this year, we're talking about our relationship with something that affects all those relationships. Our relationship, your relationship, my relationship with technology, and we've been doing that over the last four weeks. So this is our last week. Next week, we'll be talking about gratitude, and then, can you believe it, we are already into Christmas, uh, it's Christmas sermons the week after that, which is hard for me to believe. If you were with us at the beginning of this series, you heard us say that it, there are things in our lives that are okay to do, that become not okay, when they no longer need our okay. And technology is one of those things. It's fine to participate in it. It's a neutral thing. But when it takes over life, when it takes the position of God in our lives, and it no longer needs our position, our, per, our permission, it just invades everything, that can be a problem. We talked about that. And then we said if we want real relationship in week two, if we want real relationship, we need to come out of hiding. We talked about Adam and Eve, how when they sinned, they were ashamed, they went into hiding, they hid from God, they covered themselves. And we've never stopped doing that as people. Constantly covering, constantly hiding, constantly, conf- constantly trying to project an image that isn't reality. And if we really want relationship with God and others, we've got to come out of hiding and be honest about who we are. And the final thing that we said last week is we said you are most like God when you love those least like you. And we talked about how our technology is dividing us up into groups and how more than ever before we feel divided. And, and how we, we, it's not just, the problem isn't that we're in our own tribes. The problem is that tribalism is on the rise. And we need to find a way to love one another. And this week we're going to talk about a topic that you may have seen coming when we said we were going to talk about technology. In fact, you probably, you maybe thought we would have already covered this one, but we saved this one for this week. We are going to talk about your relationship, my relationship, what happens with technology, and how we spend our time. It's an important topic, and it's something that I think Paul, the Apostle Paul, in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 5 here, verse 15, he actually invites us to think about. I looked through the whole book. Paul doesn't mention Facebook or Instagram or Twitter once. I did a whole study on this. The internet's not in here. Computers aren't in here. But what Paul says to the people in the first century, what he says to the early church, I think holds great value as you and I sit here and and evaluate how would God want us to interact with the technology in our world. He says this in verse 15, in the start of verse 16. Look carefully, then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of the time. We're going to think about that phrase a lot today, making the best use of the time. And if I could invite you to think about one question with me over the next few minutes, it's this question. What does it mean for you to make the best use of your time? What does it mean for you to make the best use of your time? Time is an interesting thing, and it's a tricky thing. Time is not a commodity. You can't buy time, you can't sell time, you can't trade the time that you have for more time, or you can't give your time to somebody else. Time is not a commodity, but time is a currency, and we are spending it, every moment of every day, You are spending some of your currency right now sitting here in this room, listening to this sermon and reading out of this book. We are investing some of our time. Time is the most valuable currency that we have. But here's the real tricky thing about time. We don't know how much we have. There's no possible way to go to your time bank account and figure out how much you have left. It's a challenging thing. As, as uh, Pastor Tony Evans uh, out of Dallas, wh- one thing that I've heard him say a number of times, he said, if you really want to know how old you are, you should, be t- you should be counting your age not away from your birth date, but down to your death date. If you really want to know how old you are, Tony Evans says, we should all count not from our birth date, but to our death date. The problem is, we know when we were born. We have no idea when the second one is coming. Justin asked us to, to pray for Carol Mills' father this morning. Bill, 102 years old, and he's, he's not feeling well right now, but 102 years old. Not very many people can say they were alive for the last five Red Sox World Series championships, but he was. He got the 1918 one in there. If you are 60, but you're living to 102, you're pretty young. But if you're 30 and you're living to 32, you are very old. And time is a tricky thing. It's this currency that we're constantly spending, constantly investing, and it's extremely valuable. The challenge that you and I have when Paul tells us to make the best use of the time is that we don't know exactly how much we have. It makes it even even more valuable, doesn't it, to know that that's true. And the thing about technology Is that if we are not careful the way it exists today, it will steal some of that valuable currency from us before we know it. A little over four years ago, my wife Lori and I celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary, and she was in the the service at the nine o'clock this morning, and we went to Italy. We we spent a week in Italy for our 10th wedding anniversary, which was fantastic. And one afternoon, we were in the city of Rome, one of just three days that we got to spend in Rome. And neither of us had ever been to the city before. It's a city filled with uh, history and great things to visit and great food to eat. And when you're in a country like Italy, and I know Italy's not the only country that does this, but they're one of the countries that that do this, they do something that I really think we need to adopt into our own culture here in the United States, and that is That after everyone eats their midday meal, their lunch meal, uh, everyone just goes home and takes a rest. How great would it be if you were at work, everyone ate lunch, and then you went home and took a nap, and you just came back whenever you felt like it. The stores would have signs, back at 2 o'clock. You know what that meant? Back whenever I feel like it. And I think that really is something we need to think about, but that's a whole other sermon for another day. So we, we ate lunch, and we said to ourselves, let's just go back to the hotel room. We'll go back to the hotel room. Uh, we'll wait until siesta time is over, then we'll come back out, and, we'll, and we'll, we'll do the next things on our agenda. On the way back to the hotel room, we started talking, and someone, some friend somewhere had told us that we would really enjoy the TV show Suits. I'm not telling you to watch it. I'm just telling it's out there, okay? Someone told us we would really enjoy this TV show called Suits. And so we got back to the hotel, we said, hey, we'll relax, we'll watch an episode of Suits. And so we, we, we relaxed in our room, watched this first episode of this TV show, and then something happened that I bet some of you in the room has happened, to, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That episode ended, of course it ended on a giant cliffhanger. And then there was this little box and a countdown in the corner, and it said next episode in five, four, three, and I knew we were in big trouble. And we said, well, we'll just watch the start of the next one so we can see how this resolves. And we watched that one, and then another one, and another one. And before we knew it, it was dark outside, and it was time to go get dinner. And because we weren't careful, technology stole our afternoon in Rome. And you know what I'm talking about. I mean, how many times have you picked up your phone? How many times have you gone on your computer, and you say, I'm just going to check one thing. I'm going to make a dinner reservation. I'm going to message this person. I'm going to look at this email. Whatever it is that you were going to do, you do it, and then you see something interesting, so you click, and then you see a video, so you watch, and then you see a follow-up, and so you watch that, and pretty soon, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, your afternoon is gone. Time is this incredibly valuable thing. And the tricky thing about our technology is if we are not careful, it will steal it from us. And one of the things that Paul is reminding the early church of here, and that Paul is reminding you and I of today, especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, especially if you call yourself a Christian, it's a big deal. Paul is saying to you and to me, Something that I bet we know in our heads, but it's so hard to p- apply, and that is that wise people invest their time very carefully. Wise people understand the value of the time that they have been given, and they invest it very carefully. Let's look at what he says here in the next couple of verses. I'm going to start right at verse 15 again, and we're going to read this time through verse 18. Look carefully, Paul says, then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul here, he talks about two groups of people in these verses there are wise people, and then there are unwise people, Paul says. In fact, he has another word for the unwise people. That he uses, and that is there are wise people and there are foolish people. And Paul draws a simple distinction. He says, The wise people walk carefully. Look carefully, Paul says, at how you walk, look at how you invest your time. Wise people, Paul says, walk purposely. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, Paul is saying, it's, Paul tells us here what that looks like. He says it looks like understanding what the will of the Lord is and being filled with the Spirit. Paul's saying, you want to walk purposefully? Invest wisely. It looks like using your time to understand the will of the Lord and to be filled with His Spirit. But he said foolish people do something different. Foolish people do not walk purposefully. Foolish people consume mindlessly. In fact, his example here, ...of foolish people and how they might spend their time... ...would be to go and to get drunk on wine, which he says is debauchery. He says it's just a a waste of time. It's not walking carefully. It's the opposite of that. And I can't help but think that the way many of us use our technology... ...quite frankly, the way that I find myself using technology... ...would fall right in that category. That rather than being wise and walking purposefully... I find myself, and I think we find ourselves, consuming mindlessly. Paul says the wise person understands the value of the time and uses it well, invests it well, in understanding God's will being filled with the Spirit. The foolish person walks aimlessly, consumes mindlessly, and doesn't understand the value of what they're giving away. Just down the road here, not too far away from where we're sitting right now, a man by the name of Henry David Thoreau, he built a cabin next to a pond. It's a Walden pond and lived there. And the, one of the reasons he did that was to get away from the, the craziness of, of life and how it operates, how busy things are. And he, he, one of the things that happened is he was watching his friends and watching the people around him and especially his friends who were building giant farms. And they, were, they, they farmed one acre, and then they realized they could farm two and three and four. And then if they farmed 30 or 60 acres, they would make even more money. But he was watching the stress that they were putting on themselves and on their family. And he said to himself, the benefit of what they are receiving with extra money is not worth the investment of their lives that they are giving to it. And so he did something else. He went to Walden Pond, he built his cabin, and he decided to live a life where he would only have to work one day a week. And in his reflections on this, in Walden, one of the things that he says is this. He said, The cost of a thing is the amount of what I call life which is required to be exchanged for it immediately or in the long run. The cost of a thing When we say the cost of a thing, we immediately think money. But Henry David Thoreau thought time, your life. The cost of a thing is the amount of what I call life which is required to be exchanged for it. He said, when I watch my friends work seven days a week, 20 hours a day to run their giant farms, it's not worth it. And one of the interesting things about technology is monetarily, it can be very cheap. Using the internet, using a phone, social media sites seem free, don't they? But it's costing us something. And Henry David Thoreau, the Apostle Paul, even more importantly, might come to us and say, you're not paying attention to the actual cost of your life that you are investing into all of this. You know, it's like the friends that get together to build relationship and be with one another and then sit and separate chairs in the same room and just stream YouTube videos rather than play a board game. It's like the father who can't look up from Twitter long enough to play with his children. Or it's like the married couple that goes out on a date and spends more time trying to get the perfect Instagram picture than they do talking to one another. And could it be it's like the follower of Jesus who makes sure to find the perfect Bible verse to post and put praying hands emojis on everybody else's posts, but hasn't actually read their Bible or spent any time praying for weeks. Paul reminds us that people that use their time wisely, they walk purposefully, understanding God's will, being filled with the Spirit. It's so easy in our world to wander aimlessly, to consume mindlessly, to take whatever is new and just ingest it and keep going. And we would be wise to stop for a second and ask ourselves, what is the actual cost of what we're doing? And the question remains, how do we do this well? How do you make sure, how do I make sure, That rather than just wandering aimlessly, consuming mindlessly, we are walking purposefully. Well, I think Paul gives us something to think about here in this passage. That we would, rather than just taking our time and figuring out how to spend it, that we would do something different. I think he would tell us, to invest your time wisely. Start with what matters the most. And then, work backward. To invest your time wisely, start with what matters the most, and then work backward. In 1997, Steve Jobs stood on the stage of Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference. It was actually, if you know anything about Steve Jobs' career, he was fired from his own company, fired from, from Macintosh, fired from his own company, and then rehired back as the CEO. This Worldwide Developers Conference in 1997 was the first big thing he was doing now that he was back as, of CEO, as CEO of the company that he had helped create. And as he's standing on the stage, he's taking questions from the floor. And a young man walks up to a microphone. And the moment he begins to speak, you can tell two things. This man... Uh, on the floor thinks very highly of himself, and he doesn 't like Steve Jobs at all. In fact, he says this: he says something like, "Steve, you are an important man, but you have proven time and time again that you have no idea what you 're talking about and In the moment, Steve Jobs is is so taken back, and the crowd is is very uneasy, he actually takes his stool and he holds it up as a shield to try to shield himself from this gentleman who's asking the question, if you wanted to, I'd tell you, you could go uh, watch this video on YouTube, but that would defeat the whole sermon. So don't do that. I'll just tell you about it. The young man brings up a a new technology called OpenDoc and goes off on Steve Jobs because Apple is not using this new technology. And when he's done and he sits down, Steve Jobs sits back down on his stool and he waits a good five seconds. And he says this. He said, you know, one of the challenges with with someone like this gentleman is that they're right. There are always new technologies that are interesting and exciting. And then he said, but one of the things I've always found is you have to start with the customer experience and work backwards to the technology. You can't start with the technology and try to figure out where you're going to sell it. I mean... If you've ever used an Apple product, you know it's about the consumer experience and ease of use. And Steve Jobs said, that's what's most important for us. We're going to start there, and we're going to work back and, be, and say, okay, if, most of, if, the, if the customer is most important, let's now go back to the technology and say, which pieces of technology, how do we leverage this, what will work best so the customer has the best experience? We're not just going to take technology we think is interesting and neat and fun and push it on the consumer. And if we applied this to our time, I think it would read something like this. One of the things I've always found is that you've got to start with what is most important and work backwards to your time. You can't start with your time and then try to figure out how you're going to invest it. If you want to invest your time wisely, you need to start with what is most important in your life. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that is your relationship with Him. And then you work backward to your time. The challenge is if we take our time and we say, well, I'm just going to spend it. I I have today, I'm I'm just going to do some things. We end up jumping at every exciting app and every link and every video that is out there for us to watch. Rather than saying, okay, since my relationship with Jesus Christ is most important, now... How can I leverage technology, or which pieces of technology should I allow into my life that will help me to that end? See, Paul says it this way. He Actually, if we backed up to the beginning of chapter 5, he talks about what's most important in your life and my life. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God you are to be an imitator of God with your life. And to love as Christ loved you. And so we jump down back to our our section before in verse 19. So what does that look like? Paul says it looks like this. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul says... You are to be imitators of God. Christ has loved you and given himself up for you. So you are to walk in love and give yourself up for others. What does that look like? It looks like worshiping together constantly and building one another up and encouraging one another up in the Lord. That's what it looks like. And Paul says, start with what's most important. Now come back to your time and do the things that will help you get to that end goal. That's what it looks like to walk purposefully rather than to wander aimlessly. If you were going to use your GPS after the service today to get to somewhere new, maybe you're going to a new restaurant or you got to go pick something up at a store you've never been to, it would seem very odd to us if you said, well, I'm going I'm to see what I can do and see if I can get to that store. I've never been there before. I'm not exactly sure where it is, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to start driving. I'm going to start driving. And if I see something that's interesting along the way, I'll pull over and take a look at it. And uh, if I hear something interesting on the radio, I'll listen to it. And if I, if I see someone I want to talk to, maybe I'll talk to them. But, but I'm just going to start driving. I'm just going to go. We don't do that. That, would seem so, that seems so foolish to us. We pull out the app. We put in our destination. And then it tells us, okay, if this is where you want to go, here's the best way to spend your time. It'll help us avoid traffic, it'll help us avoid tolls, it'll give us the way we want to go. And yet when it comes to the way we spend our time, so often we just start driving. We have a day before us and we, is, we just go. And we end up spending a little time here and, and downloading this new app there and spending a little bit of time over here. And before we, under, we don't even understand the cumulative cost of all of those things. Rather, what we should do is put relationship with God as the destination point in our life. And then we'll understand how to use the time. Jesus says it this way in Luke chapter 14. He talked about this too. He said, Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it, Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus says there is a cost to ending up as one of my disciples. If that's your destination, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your life and your time. we're always investing our time in something. And sometimes we're investing it purposely in something that matters, that has eternal rewards. And sometimes if you're like me, you're just wandering aimlessly. And the way our technology works today, once you start wandering, it's so easy to keep going down that road. So rather than wander aimlessly, we would be wise to start with the destination in mind and then plan our time. If you want to invest your time wisely, the most valuable currency that you have that you've been given by God, start with your relationship with God and work back to your time. What does that look like? Quite simply, hopefully when you walk through the door, you were able to pick up a handout that looks like this. If you don't have it, Uh, You can grab one on your way out. But there's really two things that I want to encourage you to think about doing this week. Maybe you do it this afternoon. That you would block out half an hour, 15 minutes, 20 minutes to do two things. That you would spend some time praying about this. And if you don't know what to pray, pray exactly what Moses prays in Psalm 90. He prays this. He says, the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we all fly away. So, he prays, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Take some time this week. Take some time this afternoon to sit before God and to pray this prayer. God, teach me to number my days correctly that I may get a heart of wisdom. And as you come out of that prayer, write yourself a plan. Maybe it's just for the rest of today. Or maybe it's for the week. Start with your relationship with God and say, if that's most important, what would be the best investment of my time this week? It doesn't mean that you you don't give yourself time to rest. Purposeful rest is part of the equation. But it's got to be purposeful rest, not just blowing time. On the back of this, there's, there's 10 rules that an author named Andy Crouch, a Christian author named Andy Crouch, put in place for his family. And they're, a, they're in a book called TechWise Family. And I, we just offer them there as a guide as to how you might begin thinking. Those 10 aren't going to work for you. You need your own. And maybe it's three or maybe it's two or maybe it's five. But would you spend time praying and Planning. That rather than allowing the things of this world to steal your time away, you are able to invest your life in that which has eternal return. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back this morning as we prepare to close. And would you just bow your head and close your eyes with me and let's pray about this, think about this together. Imagine What God could do. Imagine what God could do in your life, in the life of your family, in the life of His church. If we could invest our time wisely, rather than consuming mindlessly. If we really lived on that sort of mission, where our destination was relationship with him both here and now and for all eternity. And so we ordered our time so that it would lead us to that final destination. Imagine what God might do in your life and in the life of your family and in the life of his church. So God, we come before you today and we confess that we have taken one of the most valuable things you've given us, our time, our life, and God, we have wasted it on things that do not matter. Father, help us to live purposefully. Help us to live wisely. Help us to count the cost of being your disciple well and to live in such a way so that when we see you face to face, we hear you say, well done. God, each and every day, would you help us to understand your will, to be filled with your spirit, that we might live for you, to make your name great, to proclaim your truth, and to live relationship with you is what matters most. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, and let's close our time together in song.